looking to learn more on how to build wealth through real estate? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Make Money Make Sense podcast with Dante Belmonte. Each episode, we have the privilege to bring you a professional in the real estate world. One that will help you become a top investor, whether that's a passive role or managing the day-to-day. Let's jump right in. Hunter, how we doing, man? Dante, doing great, man. Good to talk to you. Yeah, good to talk to you too. I know we've been uh, talking about doing this for a little while, and uh, we're finally doing it. So happy to do that and and get you on the show. I haven't done a lot of these shows recently, just with how busy I am. So, but do me a favor and just introduce yourself to my audience. Who you are, what do you do, and, and we'll dive into it. Sure, I'm Hunter Bick, um, co-founder of Elevate Capital Group. Um, we are a small multifamily investment shop. It's me and two other partners. And we've got 500, 600 doors across the Carolinas. We got started um, right about six years ago. Bought our first deal in early 2018. Um, we're predominantly in, um, you know, kind of the central North Carolina area, Charlotte mostly, and some stuff around the state, a little bit of Fayetteville, and um, looked at some, looked at plenty of other deals elsewhere. So, cool, awesome, awesome. So. Uh, we always want to get the background, get the backstory. How'd you get into real estate? Everyone's always got that, you know, that entry story of how they got in it. So tell us how you got into real estate investing. Yeah. So mine's, mine's probably a little more unusual than most, but I, um, I had been, I was a professional poker player for 10 years or so. And, you know, I did economics in school, did corporate banking, dropped out of that. So I was making way more money playing poker at night than I was in my banking job. This was back in like mid 2000s. And uh, ended up playing poker for nine, 10 years, had, um, had some poker businesses along the way that we, we exited for, um, you know, had successful exits on. And so call it 2014 or so poker, you know, the, the, the ability to make money as an online poker player in the U S is, was not what it was. And we'd sold our, our company and I was looking for kind of my next thing. And so I started buying rental properties around the Charlotte area and bought a 12 unit condo building so one full building inside of a condo community on uh, 2015 and that was kind of like my my game changer um i learned you know multifamily repositioning from that and it's not it's not true multifamily but it was an amazing way to learn it i you know did the usual thing bought them bought them inexpensively renovated raised rents by like 400 bucks a door pretty quickly yeah. and then learned how to do a cash out refi. And then from there, I was like, okay, what's next? And the obvious answer was apartments, multifamily. So I was talking to a high school buddy who's now one of my partners and he was looking for a way out of the corporate world. So we, he was like, wow, this math is awesome. I want to learn more, but maybe we can do a deal together. And then shortly thereafter, we met our third partner, um, you know, just doing Charlotte, like real estate meetups. Yep. And the three of us really just clicked. And so we, we were kind of all on the same page in terms of our risk tolerance and what kind of deals we wanted to go after. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of off to the races from there. Awesome. Yeah, no, I definitely love it. And for those of you that don't know, uh, we bought a deal from Hunter and his group back in 2021, I think it was. So about two years ago now, probably end of 2021, we bought a 24 unit from you guys. Great property you guys got at a great price. You did a lot of good work too. Got it up to the point where we took over and really took it the rest of the way. And now it's it's actually our strongest cash flowing deal to this date. 
Um, I'm so pumped to hear that. That's great. That's yeah, awesome. it's it's doing double digit uh, cash on cash return for us and our investors oh, right now, which is I love great. it. Yeah. So, um, but tell us what you got going on today. What are you guys doing in this market? So this market is somewhat challenging at the moment for a lot of operators uh, with interest rates rising so much, you know, inflation, we won't get into all that because we've spoke about it so much, but it's been very challenging to find deals, execute on deals um, and even put deals together. So what are you guys doing today right now? Are you guys selling stuff in the portfolio, trying to acquire more, doing both? What are you guys doing? Yeah, no, good question. We're open-minded to the, all the above, you know, obviously looking for deals. We have put some things on our contract. We didn't end up, moving forward on for one reason or another. Um, mostly we just, little due diligence, we just kind of fell out of love with it, um, some other stuff, but it, not, nothing that was like so amazing, we just had to buy it, you know? Right. Um, you know, between 2018 and end of 2021, we just kept finding, so we were so fortunate. Uh, and my, my one of my partners, he's our, primarily our our deal sourcing guy he just does an unbelievable job so we were just so fortunate to find so many great deals and we we just said we have to acquire every single one of these like you know whether we have the rental money or not and you know and one thing about us is you know we don't really syndicate we've syndicated like one or two of our deals and we've done 15 deals you know right. mostly we, we finance a little bit differently with either our cash and typically with a you know uh a financing stack typically or, or we have a private, um, you know, private money lender, you know, a hard money lender, and they'll depend if the deal is good enough, they'll take us up to hundred percent, and we'll do it that way, and then refinance out, or or exit or sell the property, and so you know we, we we've gone that direction. That's how we've mostly done it, and so we found so many great deals that, you know, we just had to buy, and we just the math on them was incredible, you know, and we don't really we don't have, we don't ever model anything for rent growth or cap rate compression. We model. To, if if everything stays the same today forever, does this deal make money in eighteen months? That's all we really look at. And so, yeah. um, you know, so we aggressively bought a lot of property. And so for us, having a, a you know a bit of a slower market for us is not the worst thing in the world. It's giving us a chance to catch up on some reno, um, stabilize some stuff that's 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 neat that's overdue for it. And so for us, it's been it's it's been really he healthy for us to have kind of that breather. Um, where we haven't seen something we just had to buy. Right. So, um, but, you know, we, we have been looking for sure, but it, it has been, it's kind of been a good good timing for us just to kind of be able to get everything to the point where it needs to be. Um, we do have a couple of things that, you know, we, we we do have a couple of things that we're probably going to exit. I've told you about the one with yep. the 3.6 assumable debt. I mean, mm -hmm. we think it'll get a premium in this market. So that one, that one's going to, it makes sense to take advantage of, you know, it's the only, it's, it's the most opportunistic sale we, we could, we, we would have because it should get a premium with that debt on it. That's assumable. So, um, but well, let's, let's touch on that real yeah. quick. So I want to talk about deal sourcing, but let's also touch on, um, assumable debt, like you just mentioned here, and you're, you're hoping to get a premium off that. So for the listeners that don't understand what we're talking about is you have debt in place that a new potential buyer could come in pay the difference in a down payment and assume the mortgage that you have on the property. Um, the attractive part there is it is what interest rate, Hunter? Uh, 3.59%. I've never heard of an interest rate that low, <laughs> at least not for the last like year and a half or two years. So I, I think we like bottom ticked that one. It's perfect. 
Right. So, you know, same thing with the asset we bought from you guys. Our interest rate's 3.49% fixed for seven years. You know, it's a phenomenal rate. You, Incredible. You're almost double that today. So there's value to be had there with a, a rate like that for a property that's going to perform. So buyers going to come in, they're going to, you know, essentially use cash to meet the LTV or whatever the principal balance is up to what you guys are selling at. And they can also take a supplemental, which we'll talk about in a second, but really they can take the, the debt at such a low interest rate and therefore they're not paying out as much in interest, which helps with cash flow and value in the property. So one would say, okay, you know, you're at like a 50% LTV, you're putting a lot of skin in the game. How can I get some of this cash out with refinancing, enter in supplemental? So this is a Freddie loan then, correct? Correct. Okay. Yeah. So is it considered SBL? It is because it's under seven. It is, yeah, it's so, so Freddie SBLs, small balance loans can do supplementals where I don't think Fannie's can in the SBL space. I could be wrong. Um, I, I think that's right. I don't think they can. Yeah. So, so essentially you get a, a reappraisal to some degree or whatever the process is with a new buyer and they can say, okay, we've got 50% of the principal at three point mid 3%. But let's say, you know, you can pull out another 20 or 10% of the purchase price in a supplemental loan. Yes, the rate's going to be higher, but then we get what's called a blended rate. So a rate between the two. And that's essentially how you can, you know, pull out some cash or access some equity so you can get into the deal with a little bit less money out of pocket. Is that correct? Yeah, bullseye. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and so, so, so like, I mean, I think the blend, I think the the to max, the total LTV will probably be still like 60, 65, but the blended rate will be like, Four, four and a half, four, six, or something. Yep. So you that, like that's super attractive compared to you know off the shelf debt right now. Exactly. Yeah, because debt right now you're about above six percent. You know, in some cases, if it's a large market or maybe it's an affordable, and you get some certain credits or discounts and bips with the the deal, you're going to be above six percent in in some cases. So. Yeah, yeah, I think that's awesome. And, you know, if that if we don't end up looking at that deal and someone else does, you know, hope hope works out. Hope you get the premium for it. Thanks, Talk man. about, you know, I, I know one of your partners does a lot of the sourcing for you guys. I know something you guys do is you guys really specialize in looking at off-market opportunities. You're not really looking at open market opportunities. How are you sourcing those off-market deals? Direct to seller, broker, a mix? What are you guys doing? It's all of the above, really. I mean, it's mostly it's it's relationships, it's building relationships with sellers, sellers' friends, brokers, of course. Um, you know, I think I I think that's you know, I think honestly, it's not sounds so simple, but that's what it is, right? Right. And, it, and it's it's being a good partner to to really everybody, you know, brokers. You know, it's important to. Um, you, know, you can't help these guys out, right? Like they have to deal with a lot of challenging people in their business. And sure. if you're if you're the guy that's the easiest, easier to work with, and you return their calls quickly and you give them feedback, you know, I mean, it's just about being a good business partner. And sure. you know, honestly, like the, the craziest thing, you know, one thing I love about real estate, real estate's so easy compared to poker, right? Like in poker, <laughs> you might have some high stakes decision and you have 20 seconds to make it, maybe, right? But in real estate, you know, there's a, the it, there's so much low hanging fruit where all you really have to do is be the guy that returns people's phone calls, and it's like yeah. you're already like ahead of like eighty percent of everybody else doing this. It, it's it's on. I always tell my partners like we're playing. Sometimes I feel like we're just playing low stakes poker here. Like it, it, it's not that it's very easy to be the people that do. Eat. Maybe it's not easy. I don't know. But we try to be the people that do what they say they're going to do. 
Yeah. Most you definitely. Know? No. And that's just good business in general, no matter what you do, right? Yeah, not just real estate. I mean, yeah, that's that's any business yeah. in general. You just gotta, you know, show up, do what you say you're gonna do, respond in a timely manner. And I think that's huge. So you you did kind of focus on like that brokerage aspect. So would you say brokers are a good source of a lot of those off-market opportunities that you guys are looking at? Not the only source, but a good source. Sure, yeah. And you know, the 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 key is you know, you have to have deals under your belt before you really get into that right because brokers you got to understand if you're a i mean you're a broker you know this yep um but for, for your listeners you know brokers take a serious risk if they want to go something off market you know they've they've told their seller all right these guys if these guys say yes they will close yep and the broker needs to know that that is the truth right for and sure he's taking a reputational risk he may lose the deal if you don't close exactly and so you got to understand how you know, how everybody kind of in the business, how, how they make their money and what their risks are. And then you want to help mitigate those to the best you can, you know, and brokers know not every single thing is going to close. You know, we've all had deals where you get in there and there's some giant foundation problem or right, something unforeseen that isn't yeah. caused by you. Exactly. Exactly. But that's a very different reason to exit a contract than, Oh, Hey, turns out we were counting on one guy to get our, our capital and he said no and now we have no money we can't close it like those are very different things yeah right very controllable so non-controllable in my opinion and you know mm-hmm. like you said being a broker myself you know i specialize in smaller multifamily, but over 50 percent, probably more like 65 percent of the deals i sell are off market and oh, really interesting yeah oh yeah and when i'm bringing these deals to buyers and i'm telling sellers i've got a buyer off market you can already guess who's the ones getting the calls. It's not the new guy that wants to buy his first deal and, and you know is excited to get into it and has 30 contingencies. It's exactly. those guys that I've done repeat business with that have a portfolio, understand, don't get scared by little things that go on in a deal. And we work our way around anything that does pop up. And I and that's huge. And I see that every day. Um yeah. and you know, like I say, there's there's a list of as a short list of buyers that I have, and they get to see a majority of the deals that I send out. And they're also the guys I do the most business with. Yeah. makes perfect sense, right? It does. And and then they probably get you feedback quickly. And if, yeah. if, if they go under contract, you're 90% sure they're going to close barring some, you know, due diligence issue or whatever. Exactly. They've got their financing in place. They've got their capital in place. It's not hard to work with these individuals. So, you know, for yeah. those guys listening, take note at what, you know, Hunter and I are saying right here, because we're speaking <laughs> from experience. Um, and, and that's something I noticed too, when I first entered the North Carolina market with my partner, as we started to get some assets under our belt, um, it was much easier to get more. And that's when we started to yeah. see more opportunities. Um, and, you know, guys from different shops, you know, saw that we were buying assets, we were closing on assets and we started to get more deal flow. Um, and, you know, uh, yes, exactly. we're getting deal flow right now, but it, man, it's just, it, it's tough just looking at deals. They just, some sellers are just in love with, you know, 2021 pricing right now. And that, you know, that bid ask gap is way too big. It's big. Yeah. And, and, and I can't say I even blame some of these guys. Right. Because, you know, and, and look, we, we've talked about a couple of sales recently, of course. And, yep. um, and, and part of it is as a seller, you know, helping, helping your buyer or your buyer pool get to where their deal pencils for them. Right. And you want to, it, it helps to understand, it helps to be a buyer as well, obviously, as you know, what, what to look for, but it's also like, you know, not I don't I, I think there's less distress out there in multifamily than maybe we all wish there was. Exactly. Um, For everyone <laughs> everyone know. talks about. Yeah, like I we're not gonna see some sort of 2008 moment here. Um, but so if you're a seller, 
in you, your opinion, is interest rates are even just a little bit lower in 12 to 24 months? It's kind of a pretty big difference in your value, right? Like, why right. would you not just sit here and let it make money exactly. and then sell in a year or two? You know, like, I think that's probably what most guys are doing. You know, I think most guys will be like, yeah, I got my price. And if that doesn't work in today's market, no problem. You know, I'll just sit on it. Right. You if know? they got the right debt in place, they're not forced. They're not pinned in a corner. And exactly. you know, people keep saying, oh, you know, the, the, the bottom's going to fall out. There's going to be a real estate crash. In my opinion, there's so much stinking capital sitting on the sidelines. I, I'm so I'm a hundred percent gonna pick it all up. Anything that falls, it's gonna catch. Like even so, there was a uh, like a 52 unit in Greensboro that was uh, listed, and price and gains was like six and a half million or seven million. And I knew for a fact, I, I knew the asset, I knew the seller, knew the broker, and I knew for a fact it was way too high. And okay. they called us and they said, "Hey, we adjusted our pricing guidance down to you know about five and a half million. And I was like, all right, that's that's more in line. And we put a bid in on the property and we didn't even make it the best and final. I was very conservative in my number for a few reasons, but sure. it was just there was a bunch of interest, a bunch of offers. It wasn't like there was, you know, all the capital dried up and there's no one to buy these assets up. There's so many hungry guys, so many, you know, private equity firms, so many private buyers that just are sitting on cash right now waiting for a good opportunity to buy something. And not not even a good opportunity, just an opportunity in general. And that's why it's getting yeah. up. I mean, I, I think, I think, do you know, do you have any idea what it ended up trading for out of curiosity? Uh, it, don't, it hasn't traded yet, but okay. it went uh, five and a half was the cutoff for best and final. So it's north of there. I it's know. North of that. Yeah. So I, 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 I agree with you a hundred percent. And I think this is the thing that people don't really think about, right? Like first off, multifamily is still a fantastic asset class, even in today's interest rate environment, Right. Like the, the reason people buy multifamily is not just to clip a coupon and make their X cash on cash, right? Like you get depreciation, you get all these wonderful, you pay down principal, all the, re, all the wonderful things about multifamily that we're all in, we're all here for, right? Mm -hmm. None of that's changed. Like that's right. still the case, right? And so think about all the real estate funds and all the family offices and all the private equity that went out and raised money to buy apartment buildings last year. Even 2021, they have a cost to have that money not being deployed, right? Right, just just sitting there. It needs to get sitting deployed. There. It needs to be making a yield. Yes, exactly. And yeah, they can stick it in treasuries, make their 5%, but that's not really what the investors signed up for, is it? The investors and there's no can tax do that themselves. They don't need to be paying, they don't need to have their money locked up to be sitting in treasuries. Right. So, you know, these guys need to get, you know, they need to find some deals. And yep. That's why the minute a deal even looks like it's going to pencil, it's going to get snapped up. Like, you know, the, the, yeah, there's there's some bridge debt out there. There's probably some people who have some negative equity, but it's not nearly enough given the amount of capital sitting on the sidelines. Agreed. You know? If we were at 12% interest rates on fixed rate, that's a little bit of a different story, you know, but, but we're right. not. We're not even close. And, and, and we're probably, let's just say, rates are a lot closer to their peak than they are anything else yeah. realistically here, right? We're probably close to where it, you know, ends up being the high. Right. You exactly. Know? So yeah, hundred percent. And again, you know, 2008 was a very different environment. You know, the ninja, no job, no income applications or loans, you know, your dog could get a mortgage 0% down. <laughs> I got a mortgage then. I bought my first house with one of those. There you go. Exactly. It was incredible. It yeah. Was incredible. Was it, was it well, that good? Was it? <laughs> no, it really well, oh, it was amazing. So, I mean, I'd been a professional poker player for two years, right? Yep. And 
I got all I had to do, literally all I had to do to get a mortgage. I, I took a screenshot of my bank account with $20,000 in it. Boom. More, approved of like 400 grand. That's wow. it. Now we bought a house that made more sense to us for like 200 or whatever. Right. right? right. But that's it but literally was that easy. that you got approved for 400 just like that, that easy. That goes with to a show. driver's license and a screenshot of the bank account. That's it. Yeah. Like that's how it was. And so, and now I was perfectly, you know, obviously I didn't default. I mean, I was making money, right? It wasn't an issue, but that's what people forget, right? 2008 happened because all those mortgages were being stuffed into AAA bonds that they never had no business being in. The AAA bond market is probably one of the biggest financial markets on the planet. It's trillions and trillions of dollars. So, those all those shitty mortgages were being stuffed into AAA bonds. There was endless demand for them, and so with endless demand, they were getting originated until there was no one left to with a 500 credit score to give a mortgage to. Yeah, it's just a completely different world. Comparing that to, all right, what is it? Estimated five or ten billion in you know bridge debt that short-term bridge debt where maybe it's going to be hard to refinance it. And a lot of those people, by the way, have the cash to refinance it. It's not like every single one of them is going to default or have to like right. have some yeah. distressed sale, right? It's just a it's it's not even the same universe. And so, you know, I think we'd all love to snatch up some deals, but 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 let's be realistic about what this is. This yeah. is a rate hiking cycle. Yep. No, completely agree and great points. And I hope people that are listening are, you know, understanding those points that we're putting across. For you guys with your capital stacks, like you said, you haven't really syndicated a few deals you bought some, brought some investors on to, but what does a typical deal structure look like for you guys? Like be, when I say deal structure, cause you don't have investors in a lot of them, is it personal capital? I know some of them they'll do hundred percent loan to value if it's a really good deal, but like these, like what kind of terms are you getting for this private money, hard money that, you know, investors can kind of understand a little bit better. Sure. And, you know, I think this is a really underrated way to buy real estate. Now, a lot of people think, some people may think we're, we're crazy. I, I I think it's conservative, frankly. Um, but you know, so if we did our our, our private money slash hard money lender, um, they like they like they like the word they like the they like the term private money. So I'll I'll use that. But effectively, it's you know typically two or three points up front, between ten and twelve percent interest. You know, a one year to a two year term. Um, but they will they will fund it, you know, if the deal is good enough, 9,500% on the principal plus reno, as long as it hits a couple of metrics in terms of where we project the value to be after we after we do our like thing. A, like a debt yield metric that it hits or how do they yeah, measure? In the house flipping world, it's called ARV, after repair value. Okay. Yep. So typically, you got to be inside of 70% ARV. So if we were buying an apartment for $1.5 it needs half a million in work. And it's going to be worth three million when we're done. You know that would be two million all in on the cost. That would be a sixty-six ARV. You're, you're in so all. That's day. something we could get one hundred percent financing for. Yeah, that is phenomenal. And it makes a ton of sense because the equity is going to. If we went out and syndicated something like that, it's going to cost us a whole lot more than you know twelve percent on two million for I don't know twelve months, eighteen months tops. Right. You know. That's that's going to be you know that's quarter million three hundred k or so. The equity is going to cost us, but we had to go out and let's say we gave an investor half the equity. That's going to cost us five hundred k. So, yeah. so it just depends, you know. That 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 that's that's kind of how we did our very first deal like that. 
and then we kind of got hooked hooked with it because <laughs> it was so it went so well for us. Um, so are you guys obviously you're bringing down occupancy significantly because you're repositioning the asset at certain points, you know, as tenants sure. move out or as leases expire, tenants are leaving, you're you're renovating the unit, you're also doing a lot of exterior work. So are you guys just fronting the payments for that 10 to 12% interest, that mortgage payment each month until you get to that point? And then are you yes. refinancing selling or are you kind of doing a mix depending on the asset? Yeah. So I mean, we definitely like, you know, budget for the negative carry for yeah. sure. You know, we assume, you know, we're pretty good at projecting how long it's going to take us for we see. And look, so a lot of times with debt like that, oftentimes, you know, we it doesn't see cash flow until we refinance it. Right. Um, so we're pretty good at moving quickly to get it to a minimum level of stabilization where we can get it back into kind of perm debt type type financing. Well, Our that record is, was think five about months. Too. You have investors on that. Investors will have no cash flow or there'll be negative cash flow, like you were saying on the carry for X Correct. Yeah. And if, if there's an investor, then we would raise enough to have to cover the negative carry. Right. But you know, the the, the flip side of that is, and you know, this is a you know, a, a lender like this, they're not gonna do a ten million dollar deal, right? right? So that's the kind of thing you need more institutional bridge debt type debt for, mm -hmm. um, which comes with far more red tape. And but one thing I think people who buy small apartments, I think a mistake a lot of small apartment buyers make is they look at, you know, bridge, let's say, I'm gonna use more normal, real, more normal term, you know, uh, interest rate terms. Bridge today is like 10 or 11. Let's not, let's say bridge is eight. I yep. think that's a fair kind of average number for bridge. A lot of people say, well, bridge is eight, but hard money is 12. So I'm gonna go with the bridge guys. I think that's a huge mistake because bridge also has exit fees. You got to have the rate cap. You got to have, um, you got to pay the lender legal, which could be fifty, sixty thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, you got to have the Delaware LLC. You got to have the Delaware LLC manager. The survey's got to be vetted by three different attorneys. It's this, the check, the doc checklist is like a hundred items. Right. It's and just, it it's not just the forever. rate. It's outside of the rate. You have all these extra costs beyond the rate versus a private money lender. The lender legal might be seventy five hundred bucks. You're gonna, yeah, you pay three points up front, but there's no exit fee. You don't have any of this red tape. You don't have to spend a hundred hours getting this loan over the finish line. Yeah. They, they get, and they can close in three weeks, right? Right. Instead of maybe if you're lucky, sixty days. So it's a very different product, and it makes so much more sense for guys like us to buy small apartments. Yeah. No, I, I think it's great. And looking at private money from the other side, the lender side of things, I personally lend out. I, I private lend to some investors that do a really good nice. job and, and they have some like short, you know, I've got one that's going out for 20% interest annually. And, you know, they're only going to use it for six months because it's only like a two unit building. So for six months, that's still 10% interest on my money within six months. And, you know, I think it's amazing because one of the attorneys I work with locally, he's got over 20 properties that he private lends on to uh, for individuals. And it's a great business. That's it, awesome. it is. It's a great side business for him. And he also yeah. holds first position lean on the property. So if they need these guys default, he gets the so, real estate and it's typically at a discount. Worst, yeah. So worst case scenario, you buy real estate that you're already comfortable with because you didn't like it, you wouldn't lend on it, right? Exactly. So worst case scenario, you end up with good real estate at a discount. Yeah. It, okay. It's <laughs> great. And up, so right? it's a great business. And something I've truly thought about was just getting some more capital on the side to lend to some of these projects, just so I'm diversifying my portfolio a little bit. Um, and just doing some other things that are are truly more passive because I could take on yeah. these projects, but 
all these little single families, two families, four units, you know, I, I don't have time to manage the projects and all that. It's just sure. that the numbers are too small, but if I can get an eight to 10% yield on my capital in a short amount of time, that's great. And, you know, I'm, I'm closing on a, a small apartment complex personally next week. And, nice. you know, so I've got some cash coming back from private lending, but also I tied it up with some, you know, treasuries in the meantime to make five or 6%, you know, yeah. it's just you always got to have the capital working and that's what people need to understand. Absolutely. No, I, I think that's great, man. Good for you. You know, I mean, I think that's, um, and we've done some, we've done similar stuff too. Like let's say it is a bigger deal and we do need a, a, a real bridge or maybe we buy some perm debt and we need to fill the equity in, you know, we've gone and, and done 13% call it preferred interests, yep. you know, so we would put, we, they're not, it's not a true second, but we basically, maybe they get a little, they give me five, 10, 15% of the equity, a double digit interest rate. And, you know, they get paid back right behind the first lender too. Yep. You know, that's another good way to do it. And then we don't, we don't give up all of our equity, but we do fill in the capital stack. And so sure. that's another, that's another way we've done it in kind of in lieu of, you know, uh, a full hundred percent from a private, from, a, you know, private money. Yeah, no, it's great. And, you know, to the listeners listening, you know, just hearing this conversation, you got to get creative. There's no one way to skin the cat. You know, there's multiple different ways to do it, multiple ways to make, you know, a deal work. And Hunter and myself, we've made a lot of money doing this over the past few <laughs> years. And it's two different strategies, really, Hunter, what we do. You guys don't really have investors. Uh, you take on a little bit more debt at a higher rate. We have investors. We take on a little bit less debt at a lower rate. But we also have that second piece to the stack, which is, you know, preferred investors. And yeah we're both doing great and we're both buying great assets and, you know, we run into each other every once in a while on stuff, which I think is awesome. Totally. Yeah. And, 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 and there's no like perfect way. Right. I mean, you know, there's, there's definitely more than one way, but, but I think you find, you find the thing that works best for you and your network and your skill set. Um, you, you know, for, for us, like we, our first deal we, we bought on was all was sitting on the market and we, and we didn't, we bid on it, didn't get it. It came back to us at an even lower number. And we said, yes, we'll take it. There you but go. We still need like a seven hundred thousand dollar down payment for perm debt, and we didn't have it. And we right. were, you know, it was just three guys. We we're like, all right, well, what do we do? And so we we're like, well, why don't we go talk to this hard money lender we know? And they did it, and that 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 got us started. Like without them, we would we wouldn't be where we are. Exactly. Yeah. You no, know? that is that is awesome. Well, this uh, Hunter, this has been phenomenal. Any other words you want to leave the audience with? Anything else? Any advice you got going on? Oh man, that's a good question. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, look, I, I think, I think finding, you know, uh, starts with a, find a great deal, right? And I, I mean, look, I, I'm probably, I probably take more risk than than a lot of people would be comfortable with. I mean, to us, it's not that risky because we know our math and we know our, our great deals. But you know, one thing I, for anyone, I guess, trying to get into it, one thing we did before we bought a first deal, we just got on LoopNet and just downloaded the OMS and the financials for like 50 properties. And we just underwrote like 50 properties just yeah. to see what the math looked like. So that way we would know what a good deal was when we saw it. Yeah. Yep. And that's because we do that, because we did that, we were able to know what a good deal looked like. And and, and that that got us prepared. Yeah. And once you start to understand your your markets that you're in, you just hear, oh, okay, it's this price per door. Or you 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 know the market, you know the vintage. And then depending on the condition it's in or you know where the rents are, you're like, all right hundred a door, that's a really good deal. I'll do that deal all day. Or maybe 130 a door, eh, that's a, that's you know a little bit too much for us. Or you know 70 a door, that's a screaming deal. We'll we'll do that deal all day. And it just comes exactly. with and any repetition, and you start to understand it much easier. 
And what's crazy is like the locate is so location dependent, right? Yes. Like I like 60 door might be insulting depending on the location and the market. For but sure. But then, you know, I've seen 115 a door, boom, I put under contract today. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Prime location, good vintage, you know, things like that. The, the location's exactly. one thing. The the age old saying that is super old, location, location, location is so true though, because it's the one thing about a property you cannot change. It's 100 percent true. And and what's What's interesting too is like, you know, we've got some stuff in like, you know, A areas of Charlotte. And ironically, those are the ones that get hit hardest by by interest rates, right? And so those are the ones where, you know, you're just like, well, whatever, we're just gonna we're just gonna we're gonna sit on them until they're ready. <laughs> until yeah. until it's a better we're not selling into an environment that because like the interest rates on something like that, even even 60 doors in a great location, you we talk about a couple million dollars difference between now and four and a half percent interest rates. Yeah. I mean, it's giant, you know, so, um, but yeah, no, look, I mean, you take what the market gives you and you just try to, you know, be flexible and, and, and don't lock yourself into any one strategy. Like if you're only buying something with the intent to sell it, you'll inevitably push your math to the point where if something changes in the market, and you can't sell it for the price you thought, like that's how you get yourself in trouble. Exactly. Like we always say, okay, we want to be able to either refinance this preferably with a cash out or sell it. And we want to be able to have the flexibility. Yeah. If we can't come up with a, a strategy that gives us two possible ways to exit. We're probably not going to do the deal. Yep. Exactly. You guys, you guys know your formula and you got it down pat and that's what matters. I yeah. Know. Hunter. If well, I mean, want... we're, we're still learning, but you know, we're, we do our best. Yeah. <laughs> no, I hear you. <laughs> um, Hunter, if someone wanted to reach out to you or connect with you or just learn more about you, where can they reach out to you at? Yeah, hunter at elevatecapitalgroup.com. Awesome. Very good. Well, appreciate your time, man. Great getting together with you. I know we've been trying to do this for a while. We finally were able to carve out some time, get on each other's schedule, and make it happen. I enjoyed it, Dante. Anytime, man. Thanks for listening. We hope you were able to take some value away from today's episode. For more information or to connect with Dante, visit victorycapgroup.com. See you next week.